He looked out of place. He had all the right clothes, said all the right things, but he was awkward. Like he had practiced speaking without actually having done it. John Jones, if that was his real name, said he needed our help on a case. As fellow detectives, we felt it was only fair to lend a hand, even if he couldn't tell us where we were going, or what the case actually was. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back to the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. Here we are. All right. Look, it's kind of weird that we're detectiving a detective. But no, no, no. But uh, here we are with the Martian Manhunter. Now, preface, I have very little uh, experience with Martian Manhunter. For me... It, exactly that same kind of thing. He was always a member of the Justice League. That was who he was. He was always a character who existed as a role amongst other people. Right. The last time I think I saw Martian Manhunter in print was the Injustice comic. Mm-hmm. Not even the New 52. Not even Rebirth. I don't think he exists in the current continuity of DC. Really? Yeah. I'm I'm like huh? I'm like 70% sure Martian Manhunter currently does not exist within the DC universe as per or post New 52 and Flashpoint. Okay, I am legit checking this right now, so pause. <laughs> um yeah, I I'm like 70% certain he hasn't even made the cut since the New 52. Cuz I know he died and then came back to life before new 52 he was definitely in um blackest night he's definitely in that so according to dr internet martian manhunter in the new 52 is part of stormwatch now looking at the cover for stormwatch i do recognize this which is essentially alien shield in the justice league universe it protects earth from superpowered sword yeah it's yeah swords yeah yeah sword um an ancient organization that seeks to protect the Earth from alien threats. They were originally a band of adventurers under the name the Demon Knights. Um, hey, DC, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, Demon Knights were alien protectors. Yeah, well, uh, if you imagine if they were a- it's an ancient order, they would probably assume aliens were demons. Hmm. Eh, fair enough. All so, right. um, yeah, that was the last time. So, New 52, I don't think he's in the current Rebirth continuity. I haven't heard and or hmm. seen anything about him unless he still re- maintains his position in Stormwatch. Um, however, I saw him in the Injustice comic and the Injustice game, and he's in that. So, he's, he's, to my knowledge, not even a member of the JLA anymore. That's weird. That is weird. It's very weird. Like, that's, that's real. Okay, I'm going to start the diatribe and then cut myself off. That's like his only defining feature is that he is, like, the JLA guy who's always been a part of the team. With the current oeuvre of multimedia. Yes. Because the JLA roster constantly fluctuates more yeah. so, more so than the Avengers roster ever did. I'm, I'm like, I I'm, guess I, I'll I buy think, that. I, I think the the regularity with which the JLA actually fluctuated in roster was much more than the, the Avengers. So everyone thinks of Martian Manhunter in the Justice League because of the cartoon, much like they think John uh, John Stewart is the only Green Lantern, and Wally West is the only Flash. 
Yeah. It's the it's the permeation of our generation with that cartoon. But yes, Joanne, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about Martian Manhunter, and uh, I think we're just going to get straight. Well, in. well, let's clarify. Let's actually clarify because okay. this is something that's important. We're the the feature that we're talking about is John Jones' Manhunter of Mars. Um, speaking of his first appearance, which is actually in Batman number seventy-eight, August September nineteen fifty-three. Now, this isn't. It's it's not him but it's the first instance of what you can tell to be the idea of the martian manhunter i'll, I'll um, give that i'll give it yeah that. i'm not saying it's you know jean jones um or jean jones um as created by i want to say um Samoxy? yeah Samox joe Samoxy. Um, but the rest of the stories are all written by jack miller except this first story in batman is written by edmund hamilton um but Edmund Hamilton basically writes a Batman and Robin story where a guy is committing fantastic crimes and stealing tech from Gotham Industries. And you find out that he's really an alien from Mars and the alien detective sent to get him is this guy named Rogue Carr who looks like a shitty Jetsons character. I was going to say, he, he's super nebbish. Yeah, um, he looks super goofy and weird and not at all like a detective but jetsons is a good word for it actually. yeah it's, it's it's jetson sci-fi with like the the hot pants and the jet pack and the helmet and like it looks weird um but him and batman and robin basically take down this martian criminal and they send him back to mars that's the extent of it but they refer to him as a manhunter mm-hmm. from mars so Forward in time we go, about two years, to Detective Comics number 225, November 1955. This is the first Silver Age real appearance of the character as we know him. Um, Professor Erdell makes a robot brain, question mark? Computer, computer, supercomputer. That, when he flips it on, which I can't imagine this was the function that it was made for, teleports Jean Jean's. Uh, J apostrophe O N N J apostrophe O N Z Z to Earth from Mars. Now, Jean and Erdell have a nice conversation where Erdell's like, "Holy crap, I did not mean to do this." And Jean's <laughs> like, "Yeah, I can tell you seem genuinely upset. It's cool, just send me back." And and Erdell's like, "I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> OPS, I have a heart attack. Has a heart attack. Dies, and Jean is stuck on Earth now." as he's stuck on earth waiting for the star ride program from mars to finish which is i would imagine the nasa or the star wars program from uh mars to essentially reach earth because that's kind of what he's hoping for is like eventually my people will get here i guess i just have to wait it out um he disguises himself like a human using one of his multitude of powers of which i have made a list Um, yeah i'm gonna be curious to see what all's on there um and basically shape changes to look like a normal human in a trench coat and begins to tour earth and pulls some gold flecks out of water like in aquaman like we saw that one time where the guy was siphoning water to turn light to get all the gold flecks so it's the second time we've seen somebody try and do that (laughs) uh we need to get one more guy to do it for a hat trick and i think that'll be my favorite scam that bad guys have ever done it's like making really pure water with no mineral sediment in it and then getting gold out of it which i think is hilarious now imagine <laughs> what would go into a silver age hat trick because like the gordy howe hat trick oh, is yeah. a goal and assist in a fight what is it for the silver age circus crime boss and a supervillain 
All right. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. I think, I think that's <laughs> the, the Silver Age hat trick. Um, or at least the Golden Age, which everybody at that point hit at one point or another. Circus, guess, circus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. circus hyphen or circus slash carnival. Mm-hmm. Bad guy, super villain. Anyway, um, John, as he takes the name John Jones, siphons some gold out of the water, so he's got some spending money, buys an apartment, travels around the world, and then decides that he wants to help Earth be like Mars after Mars had its great evolution, in quotation marks, which is essentially Mars becoming so evolved they got past crime, which we find out later that's not true. Wait, there's that's a call-ahead reference to some plot that hasn't happened yet. Please stay with me. There's a lot going on. Um, so he literally just walks up to the police station of unnamed city name here and says, I want to be a detective. And the cop's like, sure. And I'm like, that can't be how police work works because I guarantee there's a detective's exam and you have to at least be on the force for some amount of time. And usually they like you having a criminal justice degree or some sort of forensics degree before you become a detective. And they didn't show like a test or anything. No, just boom, bam, he's a detective. Pretty lax laws in this town wherever he is in whatever state that he's in because we this is the first time next to aquaman where it really didn't matter with aquaman because he was all over the place with the ocean we don't have a city name we don't there is no sense of place to any it's of this just, it's as again it's parts unknown usa so uh that's basically the end of the first appearance of the martian manhunters he just says i want to be a detective and the cops are like sure Congrats, you're a detective now. And that's the end of the issue. Like, literally nothing happens other than he gets stranded on Earth, the guy has a heart attack, he decides he wants to be a detective, and is a detective. It is the lamest of every origin story we've ever well, seen. It on the one hand, yes. On the other hand, the key thing to keep in mind is that this is a this is the first time in the Silver Age, well, except for Aquaman. Aquaman was also in this boat, that the first the, the origin story was part of, or, or was the only piece of that content in that issue. Uh, but I, it, it's just a six issue, or a six page story. Right, but I will say, he doesn't even, like, stop a crime. There is that. He's just there is being, that, yeah. he's just well, being a dude mm-hmm. on Earth, and the, the climax to the issue is him deciding to be a detective. That's literally the whole first appearance issue. It is the weakest first appearance we've ever seen. Um, moving to detective uh, also again these are in detective comics so this is one story in that magazine mm-hmm. uh, detective comics number 226 December 1955 he stops some extortionists from blackmailing and threatening a former con baseball player um, and he stops them with his telekinesis there you go um, detective comics number 227 January 1956 uh, happy new year he uses his powers to basically haunt slash stalk a criminal until he turns himself in Detective Comics number 228, February 1956. He stops a criminal scientist who actually has remade Erdell's machine that teleported John Jones or Martian Manhunter to our planet. But the guy destroys it in a fit of anxiety and like, oh my god, the Detective John Jones, and like breaks the machine and Martian Manhunter is kind of like, well shit, I guess I'm still stuck here. He actually does kind of lose his shit for a minute too. Yeah, he's just like, what the, the fuck? And like... <laughs> it is one of the few times we actually see John Jones emote. Yeah, he's just like, what is, oh, damn it. And, like, just kind of, like, gets super mad at this guy. But he's like, all right. Uh, Detective Comics number 229, March 1956. He stops a guy trying to frame his business partner for attempting to kill him so that he has justifiable cause for killing him in self-defense. It is an actually weirdly convoluted story, but I thought it was kind of neat. 
Um, Detective Comics number two, uh, number two thirty, April nineteen fifty six. Martian Manhunter loses his powers due to a comet, the quote unquote Blaze Comet or the Blazer Comet, which blocks the <laughs> I, rays. I'm sorry, I just need to pause for yeah, a minute. Four twenty, baby. It's yep. the four twenty comet. Thank you. The Blazer Comet, which blocks rays from Mars to Earth, that I guess give Martian Manhunter his powers. That is what he says, and I think he's wrong, but. That's what he says. Right. Um, but he solves the case anyway, proving that John is actually a pretty capable detective regardless of his powers, which is kind of neat, and I kind of like that. Um, he's not useless without his powers. Up until... There's a mm-hmm. difference between useless without his powers and useless around his weakness, which we will get into. Yeah. Detective Comics number 231, May 1956. He, encart- he encounters another Martian who has been stranded on Earth. This guy is a criminal, though, and as he goes to arrest the guy... He finds out that the guy's got, like, a belt that can send him back to Mars, but realizing that this guy's a criminal and he belongs behind bars, instead of taking himself back to Mars, he sends the criminal back to Mars to be apprehended again. Hey, remember when Mars had that great evolution, they don't have any crime? That seems like a crock of shit now, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, Detective Comics number 232, June 1956. Um, Jupiter! Uh, Martian Manhunter saves this dog from drowning and then it's just a series of this, of him trying to solve this crime while this dog is following him around eventually he decides to keep the dog and names it Jupiter and then we never see the dog again Yeah. Detective Comics number 233 July 1956 he haunts a bunch of really superstitious criminals as one of their victims until they surrender themselves that's twice he's done that and it seems to be incredibly effective I mean realistically <laughs> the, the power set that he uses the most is Going invisible yeah. and shape changing. That's really about it. Intangibility, invisibility, and shape changing. Just to fuck with people and or make them believe what he wants them to believe. It's pretty effective, honestly. <laughs> plus plus hit X for plot sensitive or uh, context sensitive powers. Was yes. that the term from Conqueror's Bad for a Day? I believe you're right, yes. Um, Detective Comics number two thirty four, August nineteen fifty six. He goes undercover in a prison to stop a prison break. Again, using his slew of powers, of which, again, I have a list of, and they're just too numerous to name right now off the bat. Um, Detective Comics, number 235, September 1956. He goes undercover at a circus to catch a thief. (laughs) I'm sorry, can you tell I'm triggered by circuses now? Um, He basically does what any real magician would do. Like, he, he goes undercover as a magician. And he does what, to the casual observer would be real honest to god magic yeah but only with using his powers and nobody else knows that he's using his powers i mean he levitates an elephant he walks across like a common thread of like silk uh, like as if it were a high wire wire he uh guesses items in a box like he does straight up fucking magic that even the other like circus people like that's bs there's no way there's a lot there's there's some sort of string holding up that elephant they're like there isn't a string holding up this elephant (laughs) holy god what are you and it's it's hilarious because like he's just like levitation or molecule manipulation or x-ray vision and you're like literally this is probably scaring six out of the ten people in the audience (laughs) It's, it's terrifying to think about uh bad things happen at the circus people never forget Detective Comics, number 236, October 1956. He's able to contact home for a brief moment. We see his mm-hmm. family, his mother and father, um, and they just, oh, thank God you're safe, or thank whatever Martian deity, or if they believe in one, you're safe. The great anti-fire? Yeah, get <laughs> the great anti-fire. Um, and they're like, yeah, it sucks that you're not here because we're having a rash of crimes. Remember that great evolution where Mars has no crimes? Two instances where that's not true. I guess to be fair, like, if there's a... 
or if there's one particular group committing one particular set of crimes and that's seen as like newsworthy i guess that's fairly different uh, it might just be like they've reduced it down to one percent but one way or another yeah there's there's still crime yeah <laughs> let's terminology matters close but no cigar Detective Comics number 237. Of course no cigar. Oh, yeah. You have to light those. Again, again, we will get to that. <laughs> detective Comics number 237, November 1956. He go, he gets captured on the job as a detective and sent to a prison run by convicts, which is actually... It's weird. It's, it's very weird, but also like kind of a neat idea if you think about it. If it was written well, I could see that being a really interesting comic for a while. That would, that would be a great Batman comic. Like Batman being sent to a prison that Bane runs. Oh, wait, Santa Prisca? Uh, never mind. Uh, of course, he escapes and gets everybody arrested. Uh, Detective Comics number two thirty-eight, December nineteen fifty-six. Booby trap Bagley. Again, I forgot about that. Booby trap Bagley. Booby trap Bagley is is a criminal <laughs> who booby traps things, and uh, he's hiding out in a carnival um, <laughs> where everyone's like, uh, "There's lots of booby traps in there. Whoever goes in there, do we, it, basically." If one guy goes in there, he can dodge all the booby traps, but who's going to go in there? And John Jones is like, I can do that. So he kind of manipulates the straw out of a hat gag that they do to like decide who's going to go in there with his x-ray vision to make sure he gets the one that's marked so he can go in there. Because, you know, as a superhero, that's kind of what you do to make sure everybody else is safe. Of course, however, that comet's back, that darn comet. I, I think it, it might actually be a different comet because the amount of time it's in, it's between Earth and Mars is different and it... I think specifically, like the, th I think it exudes rays that if it hits ores, uh, robs Martians their powers. It's a whole different, it's a whole different kettle of bullshit. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know, because he says the annual two-hour period for that comet. So presumably, this comet is something that he has planned for. Not, it's not every two hours, but whenever it passes, it passes for two hours. Mm -hmm. So he loses his powers for two hours. It's, it's reverse Sozin's comet from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yes. So the comet shows up and he loses his powers and he must defeat Booby Trap Bagley uh, all by his lonesome no powers and does so because he's a good detective and stuff. Um, and that's the end of our uh, summary for for now for the Martian Manhunter. Again, we're gonna we're gonna reiterate uh, Jack Miller, Joe Sam Samishin, Samshin, uh, Samishin, S A M A C H. S O N. I'm gonna say Samishin. I'm almost Ghost Samixon. Yeah. No, uh, mm, uh, Sammy. Yeah. Joe Sammy. Joe Sam. Joe Sammy and Jack Miller. Yeah. Boy, but for guys... what it's worth, we do apologize. We try not to get we things try. wrong, but uh, we also don't want to fuck it up repeatedly. Right. Um. But uh, boy, you guys aren't the A team. I hate no. to say it. I hate to say it. But okay. You guys have the okay. So, I have know. to give a little bit of context at the beginning. Let me let me do the powers okay. first. All right. Um, so to give you a rundown of the powers that the Martian Manhunter has: molecular restructuring and molecular manipulation, flight, X-ray, super and atomic vision, super breath, super strength, mind reading, super hearing, intangibility, and invisibility. That's like twelve powers. If, anyone who tells me Superman has too many powers has not read Silver Age Martian Manhunter. <laughs> to be fair, like Silver Age Superman was pretty bad too. Right, but just but yeah, but that many powers in a year. Yeah. So and it is worth noting this is like a year. This is uh, as soon as he starts coming out, excluding the one freak the uh, Batman story. Yeah. Uh, it is immediately a monthly feature. Like, and right. it is listed as 
a monthly feature on the cover for that first issue. Right. So, oh, and his weakness is fire. Just straight up fire of any type. Fireworks, matches, cigarettes, cigars. The word fire. The word fire freaks him out. It's actually kind of interesting, or it would be interesting if they actually played it up for the trauma. And later on it sounds like they do in the more modern stuff. But, yeah, just fire, fire, fire. Fire, fire bad. But there you go, Martian Manhunter. Um, they're, They're not bad, but they're also not impressive. And that's really um, what it is. Like they're they're detective stories that just happen to be solved by superpowers. And my theory, he's the replacement for the Spectre. So, if you remember the stories of the Spectre that we saw in the JSA, yeah. he could do literally anything yeah. with magic, and was also a detective. How That's do you an make, interesting question. How do you um, make that sciency? You make him an alien, and he does pretty much anything. He has all of Superman's powers and then some, and is a detective. He's basically a science version of the Spectre without the weird mysticism. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that's what he was supposed to be, or he's a one-to-one comparison. But, but if we're looking the at the role rosters, makes sense. Yeah, if we're looking mm-hmm. at the rosters and the, and the MOs of each character, he's basically the Spectre's replacement. I guess, yeah, I could see that. I, I think I flipped through like the, the issue right prior to where this one starts, and it was, I think, just like some random uh, detective story rather than anything specific. But yeah, uh, or any like specific like ongoing story that he replaced. Right. But yeah, like role wise, it makes sense that that's sort of like, oh, here's something that fits the same mold. Yeah. And is a little bit updated. Th- these are not comics I would recommend to anyone. No. <laughs> but they're also not the worst comics we've read. I'll Johnny ag- Thunder was. I'll agree with that. I will agree with that. I the thing I keep coming back to is I think these are aggressively not good. Yeah, they're they're. Uh, vehemently blah and I'll even go further like there's not even anything there that I feel was really well executed at all like remember when uh, last time we talked about the flash and I like the second half of flash was this is really just kind of well executed and there wasn't anything that it did so well that I could kind of like just you, get you could, my hands on. You could sink into Carmine Infantino's art. Yep. You could you could really like the creation of the villains or how he deals with the villains. Like, you know, oh, Mirror Master, I have to get rid of light. You know, mm-hmm. there were those moments. This is just literally detective story, freak of the week serialization that just happens to be solved by superpowers. Yeah. He doesn't so, even have to be a Martian. He could literally be anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Martian bit is actually almost totally irrelevant at a certain point. Exactly. So... A little bit of context because it's a story that I find entertaining. The first time that I sat down and read through all of this stuff, I either you can either read it as I got inspired to read it, uh, or you could read it as Dear God, I didn't do anything productive all day. I guess I should sit down and accomplish something before I go to bed. <laughs> so I was reading this at like three thirty in the morning and like falling asleep as I read it, and I get all the way through it, I put it down and I go to bed. Now I wake up and the next day I have to actually like, okay, was it actually as bad as I remembered? And I, like most of my notes are attempts to quantify how not good this is. Right. Uh, shall we go? All right. I'm, I'm done. There's, right. there's, 
There's not, not much. much. Well, that's the thing. Is like there's not much I can add to this within the context of giving our listeners context for the character. Martian Manhunter is for for other people who have other fandom connections. He's the data of the mm-hmm. team from Star Trek: The Next Generation. He's um, Odo from Babel, uh, from Deep Space Nine. Um, he's just he's the off guy because he's always the guy who's trying to play. Let's see how human I can be, or um, how do I understand this culture because I can't go home. He's the fish out of water character, but he's also. Um, the supremely intelligent wise beyond his you know wise beyond the others character um, mm-hmm. which is fed by the fact that he's an alien so he's had other life experiences and he's got you know just just this wealth of knowledge that we don't have because he's a visitor from beyond the stars he's the exotic one so I'll partly agree with that I think one big thing that he is though is the parent figure yeah like, uh, so for me, a lot of my, like I mentioned, a lot of my touchstone for uh, John is in uh, the JLA context, where he is especially like that's one of the reasons I think that history of always having been on the JLA, like the guy who's just always been there, matters so much because he's the one who, yeah, I know how to sort of roll with the punches, I know how to organize this well. He's not the hard ass like Fat Man is. He's not actually like undermining himself in that way. Uh, he's a little bit more human as well, but also still trying to figure out how to fit in. He is reserved, but he's a person people can respect and follow. Right. Uh, and that, for me, that's always been sort of the context for him. Mm-hmm. This is not that. No. <laughs> uh, okay, so... It is worth clarifying, or worth mentioning again, this is a backup feature in Detective Comics. Uh, and that's sort of, I'm going to touch on this, but the short version is, like, that keyword detective is going to be everything for how we understand this character. Uh, worth noting, at least in the DC Wiki, or the DC Wiki, rather, uh, the writing team isn't consistent at all. It switches between Jack Miller, Dave Wood, Joe Sammy and George Kashtan, uh, each writing like a few stories at a time, and there's not a lot of consistency in which plot elements they use, uh, whether anything carries over. These are fundamentally Golden Age comics, and I will I will throw down with anybody who says this is the start of the Silver Age, because these aren't. They're, they're short, they don't have even a, an attempt at continuity or a sense of place or story well, momentum. They do mm-hmm. have some continuity the fact that they they show the reference of the time that he like showed up on that dude's car that one time and freaked him out. Like they do reference they? Yeah, that's no. in the later comics. Okay. They bring up Professor Erdell. They Okay. There's, I, I, there's a there's they, a the the briefest hint of continuity. The amount of continuity okay. we got at the end of the Golden Age, a la Lois remembering that one time and thinking back on all the adventures that her and Clark had had or her and Superman had had. I'll agree with that. But yeah, like this is not Silver Age. This is at most uh what would you get if you mixed silver and gold together? Uh probably a lot of weird impurities in the metal. That's fair. Um, we're in estuary territory. Yeah, this is this is um this is an intermission. 
Yeah. This is an intermission comic. This is the mm-hmm. comic you read that's in between the two stories you want to read. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a reason they're short. Yeah. And, and it's honestly probably because they're like, a science fiction detective, but also kind of not really science fiction, but a detective in detective comics. He's a Martian. And you're like, none of this was necessary. Even beyond that, like that's just kind of six six pages is the length that they do for any backup feature. But yeah, it's very clear this was only ever going to be a backup feature. So I mentioned I thought the the title of the the feature was important. John Jones, Manhunter from Mars. The key thing for that for me is John is the identity that he uses when he's fighting crime. He doesn't transform back to John uh, or with an Jean. apostrophe. John, or okay. Jean. Uh, he doesn't transform from John to Jean uh, when he's fighting crime. Uh, honestly, like this is not a superhero comic. This is a detective comic. It's not even a detective comic really because it doesn't have the, I guess, the obstacles of a detective comic. But it's closer to that than superhero. It's worth noting, Detective Comics at this time really was that. Uh, it was Batman, it was Roy Raymond, TV detective, it was one pro story, some gag comics, uh, and now Jean. Like, that's what's in an issue of Detective at this point. It really is. Batman, a short story, and Martian Manhunter. And and Roy Raymond, and who, Roy Raymond. which is actually kind of cool. It, it's basically a guy who's got, like hey, let's show off this really cool stuff on TV, and before we can show it on TV, I have to investigate to make sure it's actually legit. Right. So he goes like into somebody's diamond mine, and it's like, uh, okay, yeah, this is fake, and here's how. Uh, it's also worth noting, Jean's Martian form pretty much completely disappears after issue number 231. It only returns, it's like, I think it's like seven, six or seven comics of no, nothing of him in his actual form uh, except for one story where it is the Martian focused, like he gets to call home. Uh, same with for a while, the visual effect of him using any of his powers is he gets like a like a superimposed image of himself, like his Martian form, yeah. uh, over himself, and it's like, oh, I'm using. It's the equivalent of the uh, the bionic sound effect yeah. in the Bionic Man. It's like an overlay. Yeah, he gets like yeah, an yeah. overlay of what his real form is, and it's like, ooh, he's using his powers. <laughs> yeah, and that also completely disappears except for that one issue. It's it's weird. Yeah. Like they go to just kind of a general glow instead of oh, this is who I really am. Well, after a while too, they stop using the first two panels of every comic that he's in to explain who he is. That's true. They did so that pretty I wonder, consistently. I wonder if they now. just were like, you know what, you've been reading this for like half a year. You you know what this is. That could have just been the editorial decision to stop wasting time on that and just tell stories. Potentially. Like I don't I don't know. It, I'm, it just, I'm I'm venturing a guess. Yeah. It wouldn't amaze me, but one way or another, like the Martian superhero angle gets really downplayed as we go through this. Uh, so when I take when I refine my notes for uh, each episode, I put them in like header and then bullet points. The header for this section is literally just no satisfaction. <laughs> These are not satisfying stories, and a lot of that is because there's no emotional resonance with this character. He really is Captain Stoic. That is his only expression. Like when I was talking earlier about how weird it was that he emoted over the one thing where he lost his shit at the guy, that's because, I did the math, John Jones, human, has expressions roughly 4.7 times per story. The rest of the time, it's 
uh, just stoic, mouth closed. And that's being generous. That's me looking at him like, oh, here's a distant shot, uh, and his mouth is a little bit open, and he's saying something that sounds like he's worked up. I'll give it to him. He doesn't have expressions. He is just... uh, he is just looking stoic. And actually, the first story where uh, his origin story, I don't think, I think he opens his mouth once. I think he opens his mouth once in that comic. Like, every image is just him. Like, you can almost see him with, like, the toothpick coming out of his mouth. It's weird. Uh, and what's worse, when he does emote, it looks weird as hell. Like, I'm going to show John, yeah, that's from the origin story. It never looks organic. And I don't think it's like a, hey, I'm an alien. Like, I don't fully understand uh, how, to, uh, how to emotionally express myself like, uh, like humans do. Because it's, that's never addressed in the writing. It's just, I think it's just maybe the artist is deciding that's what this is like and not communicating with the writer. God knows it wouldn't be the first weird mix-up. Uh, but one way or another, it just seems like like, they don't know how to draw someone who is usually stoic with expressions. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Having a sidekick would really help. Yeah. <laughs> it really would. That's why I was excited about the dog. That, or even just, like, a, the power ring, someone to talk to. Like, that just would make this so much better. Uh, I'm going to make a bold statement. The most important part of a Martian Manhunter comic is the Flash. Because hmm. yeah, having... Having John be serious, or John be serious, stoic, no-nonsense can work. He just needs someone to bounce off of. You can't be the straight man and not have uh, Hardy. Yeah. He needs he needs something. Even if it's a villain. Yeah. Even if he yeah. had a recurring villain, it would work. Because then, like, that guy could be incredibly, like, off to handle and crazy and weird. He needs the man in black. Yeah, he needs, he needs something other yeah. than just random criminals. Looking at a different angle of why these stories aren't satisfying to me, what kinds of stories are these even? They aren't power fantasies or adventure stories because there's no satisfaction. They aren't gimmick comedies because there's no imagination. They aren't detective comics because he achieves everything without real obstacles. They aren't fantasies because the situations are so mundane. These are stories without friction. They just kind of glide along. He sees an obstacle and the majority of the time he just kind of glides through it. He's he's too untouchable. Except just, it's literally just problem solving in the easiest way possible. It's yes, not, it's, it's Gordy not problem solving. Yeah, it's just like okay, done. You you have this problem, therefore I shall power my way and find the solution to your issue. Uh, the other angle that I think is kind of interesting to look at uh, the perspective of who, what, where, when, why, and how. Who? John is just Captain Stoic, and his enemies are equally flat. He doesn't really have he doesn't have any recurring enemies. What? Just guns, cars, generally the normal mobster loadout. Where? We spent a couple panels with Mars. That's it. When? No time travel. Why? John becomes a hero just because. How? John uses the powers pretty much the same way every time. Instead of it being like gimmick powers like we've had with Flash to a degree, somewhat GL, and definitely Aquaman, it's just, it feels like... He is either having new powers invented for him, or he's using them in the same way every he, time. He's boring Superman. Yes! Yes! And if people think Superman is boring because he has a lot of powers, they've never read Martian Manhunter. Yeah. Because at least Superman has villains that he has to use his powers to solve specific issues with. Martian Manhunter could easily do everything that he does, 
with different powers. Yeah. Like, he could do everything that he does with the same powers, just it would be different ways of solving the same issue the same amount of effective nature. There are no limitations, which means there's no creativity. Right. Uh, so as a quick preface, uh, this is based off the assumption that certain things are just good for the, for this kind of story, for superhero stories, like the variety in panel layouts or close-ups to show emotion or danger. Uh, I'm making those assumptions, so understand that going in. Uh, panel layouts. The panel layouts in these stories are the least interesting of the Silver Age comics that we've read. So I looked through some Aquaman, Flash, Green Lantern, and Martian Manhunter stories for... Uh, three major types of interesting panel work uh, and counted the instances of them uh, because I do think like having a good panel layout like where how you shape the different panels how you lay them out really can like visually make something more interesting the specific three things I was looking at super wide or super tall panels uh, visual repetition like when Flash vibrates his hand through a sewer grating across three panels so you see him like getting further in so you see the accomplishing of the task uh and third uh non-aligned panels so that they break the grid like how uh like how northeast utah has that piece that's uh, cut out of it <laughs> yeah. it's like okay if you do that with your panel layout i'm gonna pay attention that's interesting uh so i dug through flash and green lantern made a ton of use of the wider tall panels about 10 per story which is pretty cool uh, Flash also used the visual repetition, repetition to show time passing thing, uh, averaging about three per story. Worth noting, these are the two that had longer stories and more space. But we can't blame Martian Manhunter's bland paneling on the shortness of the story being just six panels or six pages. Uh, Aquaman also had that, and Aquaman had three panels per story that had non-aligned layouts. Layouts. That's what it did to make it interesting. Those different kinds of layouts and I, I really and when I went back and reread it's like it's it was super apparent to me it reached out and grabbed me and oh this is interesting so all the other Silver Age comics had something that they did with paneling that was interesting while the of the three Martian Manhunter stories that I looked at there was one page that had two moderately wide short panels stacked on top of each other that was the most interesting thing that I could find that was it it actually really made me appreciate, uh, and another thing I'll talk about, made me really appreciate how good uh, Infantino's art was, the, how good the art was in Green Lantern, and also like the sense of motion in Aquaman. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is how close the art is, or in this case, how close it's not. One of the things we talked about in Green Lantern was how the characters stood close together and the camera was close to them. It felt romance comics close. In Flash, a ton of panels are hyper-focused on one action, like Flash's hands catching food before it falls. Uh, by contrast, John Jones' stories are, they're distant. They, it makes the danger feel toothless, and the close-ups of the characters are all stoic and bland. Uh, John Jones does have some close-ups, uh, it's not that far from Aquaman, and in fact, there are actually more close-ups of characters relating to each other, and many more of John thinking something through, like the close-up of him kind of looking off in the distance. Like that, those close-ups do happen, but that's the issue. It's John. John is stoic, doesn't have any any expressions. I might as well not be looking at a close-up if it's just, hmm, I wonder 
what is happening there. They're mostly wide shots. Like, just a wide shot of you see the action happening. It's not close. There's no dynamism to it. It's just drama. Yeah. And, like, the example that I looked at that really crystallized this, uh, you remember the Aquaman story about the animal hospital? Of course I do. And you remember how many close-ups there were when the animals were patching him up? Mm-hmm. Like, compare that. You get these gloriously like, close-in shots of the animals, like, really helping him out. And then here, it's just, there's no action close-ups. There's no, like, the barrel of a gun just staring that down. There's no, like, someone with his hand on John's shoulder. Uh, it's just those wide shots that you talk about. Yeah. And it's... It makes it feel extremely non-violent. Like, even the times where he's getting shot at. It's just, oh, one person's on one side of, this, of the shot, one person's on the other side, and there's a little line between them. It's, it's early cinema. Yeah. It's early Ooh, 30s, yeah. 40s cinema where yeah. you're just like, we, need, we don't have that many camera angles. We have the one. How do we show all the action in the one camera angle? The other thing that I want to see from that later look back is whether they do anything to change how visually interesting like the powers are because the character like initially they've got that superimposition that we talked about uh they've also got like oh his telekinesis or such manifests itself as like a white glow like ray kind of thing right but that's really it yeah there's i mean thinking about how both Color, vibrant in color and in ex, and in what's happening that like Aquaman was with using different fish this is just there's not a ton you can do with someone who's trying to pretend to be human who walks who phases through walls and becomes uh, invisible and uh, occasionally telekinesis things right so that's the majority of my stuff I just I wanted to quantify why I felt differently about this versus other comics because I really was disappointed. No, that's good. And and that does show the good stuff in what we've previously read oh, up yeah. until this point. So again, when we when we finish up in the next episode what we want to do with Martian Manhunter, we can kind of be like, "Okay, did they learn? Did they get better mm-hmm. in a year? If not, okay, because then we're going to move on to the, the Trinity and then we're going to look at the JLA. But it's worth seeing this guy needs the team. Yep. Yeah. So he, he is Space a, Dad. Not yeah. Space Daddy, to clarify. Space Dad. Yeah, he's Space Dad. Um, do we want to do recommendations? Uh, I have two fun notes. Oh, okay. So I will cool. do those yeah, first. Yeah. Uh, so first off, just an interesting thought. Uh, physically weak mad scientists actually make really great villains for the silver age because you don't have to fight them you just you foil their plan you walk through their robots you walk up and there's like curses next time gadget yeah uh other note and i know you'll appreciate this in batman number 78 another story is set in canada and the snow camo version of the bat suit is yes (laughs) (laughs) oh the snow camo bat suit oh it gives me life um, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you got? So I saw Justice League last weekend. That's right. I I really liked it. And here's the thing. Matt has not seen Man of Steel. Matt has seen Suicide Squad with me. Yep. 
and you've seen Batman versus Superman. Regrettably. And you've also seen Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Justice League is better than Suicide Squad, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman. Not better than Wonder Woman, but it is a step in the direction towards Wonder Woman. Okay. So, bottom line being, I smiled, laughed, and enjoyed myself far too much in that movie for it to be bad. Fair enough. Um, Alright. Uh, there are writing problems in that movie. I know what they are. I can clearly under I can clearly articulate what the problems are with those certain sequences and why they don't make sense, but they don't detract from the film. And you know, you know, mm. Matt, that enough of them can make me not like a movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there were several of them in moments where I was like, "Why aren't you okay?" Like I would do that like why are you doing that and not this? But they weren't egregious. They were suspended disbelief because other things that were more important were happening. And of course, we have to move the plot along. Certain things moved quickly well. There was there were some tonal inconsistencies with certain situations. Like, why are we making jokes right here? Isn't the world ending? Um, but then again, the, the, the same thing can be said for the Avengers movie. Oh, so yeah. come at me. I don't want to hear it, Marvel. Um... I think the problem is that some people had was that the DCEU was taking itself so seriously people were uncomfortable with the lightness of this film. Oh, interesting. So it is not just like, okay, uh, some jokes throughout. It's like it's actually got more, yeah, of a, I mean, more well, banter, the, I guess? Well, I mean, The Flash is the funny character. Mm-hmm. Aquaman has some good has some good one-liners, some good moments. Um Yes, they, they macho him up, but not in a sense of like he's trying to bro he's trying to outbro the other characters. It's just like he's just a a macho dude. He's surfer dude. Yeah, he's he's a he's a trucker. You know, like he's he's just that kind of a guy. Um, but he's not going to be like you're you're bad because you're a wimp. He doesn't do that so mm-hmm. much as he's just like he's a he has a gruff personality. Um, Batman had way more jokes than I thought he would have. Not sure how I felt about that. Some of them were good. Some of them were like gallows humor jokes that I liked that mm-hmm. I could buy Bruce Wayne doing. Batman in the Batsuit joking, I do not like. I hear that. That that ruins the mystique of Batman as I am terror, I am the knight. Um, Bruce we're... Wayne? Bruce Wayne making jokes? Absolutely. Make jokes all day, Bruce. You're hilarious. Um, but Batman, the, the most Batman can make a joke of is when he's in pain. Like, ouch, I'm going to feel that in the morning. Like, I'll let Batman do a joke like that, but Batman, like, Batman actively, like, not like, ha ha ha, punchline joke, but like having lines that are intentionally funny mm-hmm. makes me uncomfortable. Hmm. Fair enough. Um, just, yeah. just a, just a thing. Like, it doesn't make me dislike it. Just a weird, it's a weird choice. It's a weird choice to make. I'm not going to say it's bad or, or, or great. It's just, it threw me off. A couple times. And I was like, hmm, did not expect you to say that line. Or did not expect you to be the guy to talk like that while you were dressed like Batman. Um, that's all. Um, Wonder Woman is fantastic in that movie. Um, she has a lot of the fighting sequences. Does nice. most of the fighting. Has most of the cool slow-mo fighty bits. Um, Good. She is, a, she is a powerhouse on the team. 
Um, Aquaman gets some good screen time alongside her fighting guys, so we see that the two of them are kind of not equal in fighting, but like they're both fighters and that they are good at what they do and they respect each other as warriors. Good, 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 yes. Nice. Um, for those of you concerned about the Wonder Woman picture from the set of the women with the midriff showing mm. Amazons, do not let that fool you. Those women are the only women dressed like that. Every other Amazon is dressed like they are in the Wonder Woman movie. Oh, interesting. Those women, huh. for whatever reason, doing that job that they're doing in the movie are dressed like that. Everyone else has armor. Everyone else is dressed in armor. It's just them. And I guess they were all on set at the same time and they all wanted a picture together, which is totally fine because that's what you do when you do a cast set photo if you're extras and you're, you're fighty people and your stunt doubles. They're totally allowed to do that. Do not think every Amazon is dressed like that. And Tyope is dressed in furs and armor, just like she is in nice. the Wonder Woman movie. Do not think that they changed every Amazon's armor because they did not do that. That is my problem with the proliferation of set photos of films before they come out right now in, in the industry as it is. Because it does not accurately represent what's going on in the film until you see the actual fucking film. So I'll agree with that. And I will also tag on that DC or Warner Brothers probably should have in some way been like they could have gotten out in front of that like hey other pictures of other Amazons uh, but yeah that is a good thing to keep in yeah, mind just just so you know I know that pissed people off you have a right to be pissed off about that but you had a right to be pissed off about that if all the Amazons were dressed like that they are not all dressed like that it is for whatever reason just those women everyone else is in badass armor we now have more information. Yeah, you have more information. It's okay. You can see that movie and still like that bit. The Amazons are still badass. They had some really super awesome moves in that movie that I was like, holy shit. Um, I like legit turned to Shannon. I was like, what? And she was like, all right, just watch the movie. Um, but like, there were there were moments where I was like, that was so cool. Um, Cyborg's cool. I really liked the portrayal of Cyborg. Nice. I was really worried that he would just be the black guy. Was not. Was uh, very intelligent had important things to do was useful um told people what to do and they all listened to him nice. because he good. was the he was the authority of said thing that he was doing good 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 um it's not really a spoiler because of the promotional photos and all the posters have him on it now superman is in the film i figured awesome it's awesome really it's so good i love it okay now, here's the thing they they handle bringing him back and him reconciling with Batman in a good way that does not take up more screen time than it needs to. Okay, that matters. It, it was very much like, I was in the theater going, please don't let this be plot C to this film. I do not, we do not need that. We do not need that subplot. And it was just like, we're good. We're moving on. We're saving the world. And I'm like, thank you. Okay, good. We're moving forward. Fair enough. It, it, because Superman's a good guy and he forgives and he forgets. Yes. Honestly, Superman, like Superman, Superman. Keeping the amount of uh, screen time to the appropriate amount makes a huge difference. Um, yes. See Justice League if you have the chance. I want to see it again. I'm willing to see it with you if you ever want to go out and see it. Yeah. I want to see that movie again. Um, again, it's not the best movie I've ever seen, but it's better than those bad movies. And it's worth seeing because it's like, wow, this is what they can do. This is what these movies can be like. Yeah, if that's if that's the step forward, like that's a huge win. Yeah. Nice. So my recommendation is uh, Justice League International. So 
uh, in the course of prepping for this, I wanted to read a little bit of stuff that was one of my versions of John, and specifically one of my versions of the Justice League that I really enjoyed. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, I remember really enjoying that. So I sat down and read a couple issues of this. It was, I think, 1988. I'm working off memory here, so I might get stuff wrong, but around that time, uh, the Justice League of America's sales were slumping, so they got handed the chance, like, do something interesting. And they basically made Next Wave? <laughs> like, I, not... Not completely, by any means. Uh, but, like, that's the feel I sort of have from it. It's, I mean, first off, you put Guy Gardner and Batman in a room together, Jesus. you're getting good stuff. You're also getting, oh, have you, have you not read it? No, I know JLI. Okay. I know okay, JLI. Uh, Booster Gold. You have what feels like a B-lister team across the board with complete delusions of grandeur. And you have a manipulation of the group by an external party. You have the group really being concerned about mundane concerns like media optics. Booster Gold is Booster Gold. He wants money. Uh, so is uh, Mr. Miracle. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that whole first thing is just think box office, think box office. Uh, and... At the same time, it's dealing with some heavy shit. Like, I think the second issue is all about, hey, there's these aliens who came to Earth because their homeworld blew itself up with nukes, so now they want to forcibly disarm everyone. And then you have, like, boost, you have uh, Guy Gardner and Batman, and there's a point where Batman just kind of looks at him, and, got, and there are three panels of Guy going, uh, um, never mind. Yeah. And it's so good, like... I honestly like that's the kind of funny Batman for me is like when he shuts somebody else's funny down or he turns a joke around. Yeah, but like doesn't make it a joke. He just says like just a little like backhanded compliment yes. that they're like, wait, what? Yeah, like, Batman is Batman is really the master at PUA, isn't he? Yeah, and that's what I got for today. All right, that's it for me too. Uh, we'll be back next time with more Martian Manhunter, and then we will move forward towards the Trinity, and then we will finally get closer and closer to a team book in the Silver Age. I'm excited. Starro! I'm excited for Starro the Conqueror. <laughs> Big starfishes for everybody. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and DCDetectivesPodcast.com. The city didn't have a name, as far as we could tell. No sense of place, and we couldn't get a strong sense of the man we were following. But he was happy to talk about some of the cases he'd worked on. Arson rings, prisons run by criminals, his expression never changed as he rattled them off. This latest crime spree was something else, though. There were signs of super tech and Martian robots, and he'd heard we were the experts. We were happy to help. Besides, there was something interesting about this stoic detective.